and Linda Woodward is going to come and she will introduce herself and tell us a little bit about her. A couple of things that I didn't tell you last night. <laughs> All righty, it is such a delight to be here. First, I wanted to tell you that uh, January, in January of this year, our pastor, and we're at First Baptist Kitchen Forge, our pastor did a service on Judges, the book of Judges, and he talked about how God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. <coughs> Pardon me. And I thought, well, I'm pretty ordinary, and I'd like to do something extraordinary. And that all day long, that first service in January, that day I had a kind of a funny running commentary with the Lord. Okay, Lord, well, I'm available. What would you like me to do? And all that kept popping into my mind was, well, I do like to talk. <laughs> I don't know what else I could do, Lord, but I do like to talk. Well, believe it or not, it was that same night I got the call from your husband and asked if I would like to speak here. And then I thought, oh, man, did I really mean that, Lord? <laughs> How can you say no when you just told the Lord, I'm available and I like to talk? So first of all, hallelujah, and I believe it's surely an answer to prayer. And what I didn't get to share with you last night was that I put my, my name tag on because I work for Dollywood. So that's my official name tag at Dollywood. And what I get to do there is so much fun. I've been at Dollywood for 13 years, and for five years plus, I've been what we call a trainer. And so if you come to work at Dollywood, you're going to be in my class. So I put all the new hirees through their paces, and that's everybody from Dolly Parton's family members who want to work at the park to the people on construction site. I not only train the people who work at Dollywood, I work for Dolly Splash Country, Dolly's Vacation Cabins, and our new Dreamore Resort. So I'm kind of a busy lady. Last year I had over 600 people in my classes. So when I walk through the park, I always tell them, if I walk through the park with a big group behind me, it's okay to wave. And so I get a lot of waves, but it's to welcome the new, the new people working with me. And just one other little tidbit is that since I've been doing uh, training, and, and the best part, I think, is in the afternoon, I do something called core value training. And core value training includes the Bible. And I get to teach that at Dollywood. And come summertime, isn't that awesome? Yes! And then in the, in the summertime, we bring in campus ministry groups. And I usually have over 300 students come. And we have campus outreach, uh, discipleship focus, and navigator. All young people coming from university. And they work at Dollywood, but they're on a mission. And so I get these great big groups of young people. I just love them. And I pray over them, and I send them out to work and minister to, among our guests and among our, our fellow hosts, as we call them, at Dollywood. So that's kind of fun. So I, I have a fun job, and I'm also the one who trains all our international students. So I might have a group of Chinese students with me or from all kinds of different countries. Last week I had some young girls from, from the Philippines. They're really cute. One, they, they get to pick their own name because we usually can't uh, pronounce their name. One girl named herself Sweet. <laughs> and, and she said, Good morning, class. My name is Sweet. 
I thought, oh. <laughs> There's a little bit about me. I am so excited. I brought my dolly cup today. <laughs> Satan didn't want you to hear what I want to share with you today. And so I have a little bit of bronchitis, so I have all kinds of things to suck on and a lot of water to drink. But I, I am so excited. I was up at 3 in the morning, and I just kept being filled with all the Lord wanted you to hear today. So without further ado, and I put Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 at the top of my page, because we were going to talk about God's faithfulness. But then, I decided to read you a poem. This poem I wrote when I was 18. Yes, I did. Um, don't laugh. Well, you can't if you want to, but not yet. <laughs> anyway, um, but the, the neat thing was, I wasn't setting out to write a poem. I just felt like I need to write down something. And I just wrote it straight through. No pauses, no thinking about, does this rhyme? Or let's find another word. And I just believe it was from the Lord to me. But today it's called Good Morning, Lord. I thought it would be a good time. And it goes like this. Good morning, precious Savior. I've come to spend some time to listen to your words of love and pledge you wholly mine. I want to see you clearly, Lord, and hear your still small voice, to know your will so perfectly that it's always my first choice. I love you, Lord. You're my best friend. This time I hold so dear. Today we'll walk by faith alone because of time spent here. Now you like it after that's done. <laughs> so that was when I was 18, so I'm happy with that. Well, today we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of Ladies' Day, and I do want to commend the committee, Miss Stella, and everyone on the committee. It's awesome. I mean, to put a wedding dress in the men's room was pretty amazing. <laughs> I thought, is there always a wedding dress in the men's room? <laughs> Kind of funny. <laughs> you gotta have the urinal somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay. And here's another verse I picked out when I was thinking of God's faithfulness. And in the Psalms, David wrote Psalm 49 to 10. It says, I proclaim the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. And I feel like that's what Stella and her group have done. They have not just hidden it in their hearts, but they have declared it for 25 years within the church and in the entire community. So that's awesome. Now last night I shared my salvation, a little bit of my surrender testimony. And this coming week we're going to think about Good Friday. We're going to think about what Jesus did for us on the cross. He died for us on the cross. But many believers are not aware that we also died with Christ spiritually. We died with Christ spiritually. The Apostle Paul's declaration should be ours that I have been crucified in Christ with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's my life verse. It's also the verse of our ministry, Grace Fellowship International. 
and I'm going to move on with that, but I'm going to come back to that and show you how it falls in your life and in my life. First of all, which one's on? This one, this one, this one? That's so, I don't have it on. I don't have it on? No. It's, it's, it's over as far as it goes. Is the light on? Yeah. Is it going even more? But it's red. Is that the wrong color? <laughs> it's, well, I feel like I'm really loud. <laughs> oh, my mom. Maybe I need to be loud. I don't know. Anyway, let's keep going. Okay. I wanted to start with the fellowship of Christ as life. As we go through our talk today, I want you to realize that not only does the Lord want to be your Savior, and he wants to be your Lord, but he also wants to be your very life. Ooh, not loud. Okay. They had the um, 
the temple to Aphrodite was there. I mean, it, there was a whole lot of things happening in that city. It was infested as a church with sexual immorality. They were split by different factions. They would drag each other into court. They were crippled by abuse of spiritual gifts. Uh, they were true believers, but they had a lot of growing up to do. They were the ones who were on the, the milk of the word and not into the meat of the word. Remember that? So they were believers, but they weren't living up to the, the saintliness of being believers. Okay? Many brothers and sisters in the Lord today want to live a holy life. They truly do. They want to live a set-apart life for God. And, but at times, they feel powerless. Because the world is constantly pulling us. Constantly pulling us. And they try, tries to press us into its mold, doesn't it? The world. As much as we try to be set apart. Paul even said that. You know, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. That's exactly right. So that was that carnal pull. That was that flesh that's still in us. We haven't all just ejected and gone to heaven and perfect. We are still here in, in this earth suit. Okay? Okay, this is what the carnal Christian life looks like. Don't be scared. <laughs> here we are again. This is us. This is us. We have body, soul, spirit. The sea represents Christ in your life. That sea. Okay? So that person, this person is a believer. Christ is in their spirit. But look who's in the center and controlling the person. That's the self. That's the self, or, or we might say the flesh. That's who's controlling the life. Now you know that Christ wants to be in control, don't you? You've probably heard that the Lord wants to be on the throne of your life, so forth. Okay. In this person's life, their self is in charge. And these are the things that are coming up. In the, the Spirit wants to give us uh, assurance and security and all that total surrender of our uh, being born again. But this, in our soul, that's in our mind, our will, and our emotions, all those female things, I think, we find inferiority, insecurity, inadequacy, inadequacy guilt, and worry. Think that can be in your life as a Christian? Absolutely. Absolutely. We can have a whole lot of defeated. Christians can be uh, depressed. How can you be a Christian? But you can be, can't you? Absolutely. All those things. Maybe things happened to you in your past that have caused those. I, don't, I never feel good enough. I never will ever feel good enough about myself. I want you to find out more about that in a moment. And in our body, because our souls feel like that, it can lead to things in our body. Can lead to health problems. Many times doctors will say that people come to the hospitals and come to see them, and it's more emotional. It's all, and emotions make you sick. They can. You know, you get, um, you can get headaches, you can get ulcers. It just wears you down, and you can be a believer and still experiencing all these things. The remedy of this position is an understanding of our true identity. Our true identity. Who we truly are in Christ. Uh, that will lead us to surrender to the Christ life. Now, first of all, our first identity. We need an unshakable identity regarding who we are. Listen to this. Can we base our identity, you'll love this, on our body? 
Now, some maybe very beautiful people can, but I, I've had five children. They were all late. Even my twins were late. My elastic broke a long time ago. It's <laughs> 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 not, right? <coughs> I'm just thankful that my eyes and my nose and my mouth are in the right place. My arms are <laughs> And they work. Hallelujah. But certainly not. I mean, I mean, when you're young and you feel like you're all there, <laughs> it's quite nice. But facing who we, the essence of who we truly are on our body, that changes. Oh yeah, my girls, my girls. I have two girls, three boys. My girls would tell me things like, "Mom, you have lipstick on your teeth." Oh, really? And she said, "Well, you know, Mom, when you get older, your lips get thinner." <laughs> thank you. I so needed to hear that. Oh, thank you. And then one day they said, "Mom, you know that um, ladies are either thinkers or sa- saggers." <laughs> I said, "No, I hadn't heard that. You might as well enlighten me because you're going to do it anyway." They said, either your eyes kind of sink back in your head, or your face sags. <laughs> oh, man. I think I both have them, both have them, so that's <laughs> So let's not depend on our bodies. <laughs> I'm so glad I have to depend on my body. All right, here's another one. Oh, and this is good, too. You know this Bible verse, um, Psalm 139, 14 says, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> oh, don't you just love that verse? I mean, it is a good verse. But every once in a while I say to my husband, today I'm really more fearfully than wonderfully made. <laughs> Maybe some days you are too. I am so fearfully today. He's just glad. That's so funny. Okay. Can we base our true identity on our soul? Oh my goodness, our soul. Another part of it. Remember, in our soul lies our mind. Oh goodness. Our will, how we choose things, and our emotions. Do you think we can base it on our emotions? Oh, heavens no. I mean, we're all different ages and stages, but I'll tell you what, that premenopause and, and so and forward, I'd be crying at the drop of a hat for no onion. I don't know why I'm crying, but I'm just going to cry for a while. I think I'll go into another room. I mean, really, that was so sad. <laughs> and if I was trying to, you know, put my identity on my emotions, that is not good. I have a girlfriend who, um, listen, sidebar, but um, I believe the Lord is leading me into um, a, a different kind of a ministry going forward. And maybe more speaking and also doing um, counseling, more, more women's counseling. And so she said, the Lord laid it on her heart to pour herself into me. And she's been counseling for many years. Her name is Linda Gammon. And this is one thing she keeps drilling into me. And she says, feelings are not the bedrock of truth. And it is so true. Feelings are not the bedrock of truth. And I know that they seem very real when they're happening. But the truth is only by renewing our minds and putting it wholly on the Lord. If the Lord says it, it is the truth. If my feelings say it, yes, I'll die. And yours either. Alright, let's go on. Alright, make sure my PowerPoints are in order. We're doing good. Our essential true identity is 
spiritual. Spiritual. That's who you really are. If you can see this, why don't we read it all together? It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Excellent. I love that verse. Love that verse. You know what the word workmanship means? It means that we are God's poem. I think that's awesome. We are his handiwork. Now, I brought this because my grandmother made it, and it's so pretty. That's my grandmother's handiwork. But then I got and thought, oh, man, there's handiwork all around me. I didn't need to bring anything. It's so beautiful, all the pretty things that people made. Yes, my grandmother could crochet, and I was left-handed, and she gave up. (laughs) But this is hers, and I get to hold it. So that's pretty. But we are God's workmanship. His, this is another word, Masterpiece. When you think of a masterpiece, what do you think about? Art, maybe a sculpture, maybe a beautiful painting, a painting of a beautiful woman. Wouldn't that be delightful? And we are God's masterpiece. Now that's where I want to put my identity, not on what my feelings, not on my body, but what God thinks of me. His identity for me is that I am his poem and his masterpiece. That's awesome. 1 Corinthians 16, 19-20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Paul told believers that each one of their bodies was a sanctuary for God. The church as Christ's body is a spiritual temple of God. We are spiritual beings because we are born again. Let's go on. In Exodus 40:34, the Spirit of God filled the temple. Are you getting the idea that if you know Jesus as your Savior, His Holy Spirit lives in you you're actually his temple. We're not only a masterpiece. We're the temple of a living, holy God. And when you think about, whenever I think about Exodus in the Old Testament, I think about the Shekinah glory descending on the temple and the, the bright light and that Shekinah glory that would rest upon Moses as he came down the hill. That Shekinah glory. That he was so bright because he had been with God that they had to cover his face. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. That when people look at you, they see Jesus. They see the Holy Spirit. They see the light pouring through you because you are his temple. You are his masterpiece. You, Your identity is spiritual. I couldn't sleep last night. (laughs) To understand your true identity in Christ, it would help to appreciate more fully what happened to you at salvation. Next slide. I I give myself lots of notes. And I highlight a lot. All right, let's go here. This is our context is your natural identity to start out. I bet you can't see. Okay. 
let me first help you understand that when you were born, you were, your life was in Adam. The Bible says we're, he's our great-great-great-grandfather, right? We're in Adam. Hope you understand that. If we kept going back in our timeline, eventually we'd be to the first man and first woman, right? So we were in Adam. Look at where Adam's going. Your life is still in Adam. You're on your way to the road to destruction. You are going to hell. Basically, in church, but it's in the Bible. I'm so excited. Okay, Genesis two seventeen says, "But of the tree of the knowledge, this is what what God told Adam and Eve. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou shalt eat of it, thou shalt surely die." die. What happened to Adam and Eve? Did they just drop over dead? What happened? They died spiritually. Right. So if you were to look at our first uh, uh, model that I had there of, um, of the model of man, body, soul, spirit, their spirit would be cut off. They'd be cut off to God. Right? And, this, and, that, and that's what happened to Adam. Spiritually died on his way to hell if it's not for God and his life. Or our life. And Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. So that was us. If you're not born again, that's you. But I pray today that you know for sure you're going to heaven. And if you don't, you can talk to us after. So we'd love to help you get on the right road and not be on this one. So that's the bad news. Let me show you that this line here has infinity symbols on both sides. It's infinity symbols, we call them. That's eternal life. Who would like to tell me what eternal life is? What is eternal life? A life that never ends. Hmm. Sounds good, doesn't it? But guess what? The infinity symbol is not only on that side. It's also on this side. That means it's not only a life that never ends, it also has no beginning. That's Christ's life. He was in the beginning of the Father. There's really no beginning. And there's no end. That is Christ's life. That's really important for you to recognize. the next one. And there's lots of verses here. Did it change? No. Let's try again. There. Okay. Phew. Okay. Let's try this one. This is our spiritual birth. We were in Adam. Our old man, as the Bible calls it, was in Adam. But now, oh, I forgot I have something fun. Ta-da! I forgot the uh, stuff. Um, the old man, we were in Adam. Now we are in Christ. We've been taken out of the old line, leading to hell. Now. We are a new creation. So when people think, I can lose my salvation? Absolutely not. You are not the same person. You're, taking, you're taken out of Adam. You have been placed into the Christ life. Here, want to hear something exciting? Not only in Christ do you have a forever eternity with him in the future, you have a new past. 
How many of us need a new passion? Whatever happened to us, now we can face it because we are in Christ. Christ is in us. Because we have a new past. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him ye are in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. This is the, the basis of your spiritual identity. Because you're no longer in Adam, you have been placed into Christ. Your eternal life goes forward. Your eternal life goes backwards because you're in Christ and he's in you. Everything that happened to him happened to you. What does that mean? Here's another one. Oh, I forgot. Anyway, I'll tell you what that means. But we're going to go around with another verse. But basically what it means is, if we've been crucified with Christ, we have been buried with him, and we've been raised with him. There's a spiritual part of you that is already in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. What? Part of me is in heaven? Absolutely. And I have lots of verses to share with you about it. So, we have been crucified, buried, risen, because we are in Christ. That is your true identity. (sighs) Anyway, I want you to read with me. Oh, come on now. There it is. There's my verse. Maybe it's your verse too. Now let's read it all together, and I want you to kind of understand what we're, what I'm reading. So, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. If we went back a slide again, we would notice that it has happened to us. I have been crucified. You might think, what is that lady talking about? That is because we are in Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I want you to really get that. Um, and we'll go on. First uh, Corinthians fifteen twenty two says, "For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive." In Christ. So yes, we were crucified with Him, but we were made alive, more alive than we were ever before in our lives. Here's another one. Let's try this one. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. By the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. This is what I really want to show. We are reconciled by his death. That means we were made righteous by his death. We shall be saved by his life. Not by his death, by his life. We're we're being saved. The Christ life inside of me. The Christ life inside of you. That's powerful. Um, I want to read this to you. <coughs> oh, sorry. Uh, Ephesians 2, 1-6. And it says, Wherein in time past you, you walked according to the course of, the, of this world, that's when you were not saved, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now worketh in the children of disobedience. 
among whom also we, we had all our conversation times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That's before we were saved. This is but God. Don't you love it? But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherein he loved us, has quickened us together in Christ, for by grace are ye saved, and has raised us up together, and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So part of us, even though we're longing for heaven, for Jesus' return, but part of us is already there. Just waiting for us to be reconciled and to, you know, to, for our earth, earth suit to be laid down, to be joined with Christ forever. All right. This is the Christ-centered life. We had just the basic, Christ, the basic life, the carnal Christian life. This is what a Christ-centered life should look like. Where, who's in the center of your life? Absolutely. Christ wants to be in the center of your life. And look where we are. Crucified with Christ. That's our self. Crucified with Christ. Once Christ takes over your life, and he is your life, your very life, Look at your soul is showing unspeakable joy. We have his mind, his peace, his strength, his resources. We have health in our bodies. Because our countenance reflects the Holy Spirit and where the Lord dwells in our life. Just like in salvation, where we knew or we learned that the gift was available to us. We need to receive the gift gift of eternal life that Jesus freely gives. I believe that Christ wants to give you all the power of the resurrected life. He wants to give you more power in your spirit. He wants you to surrender your life, surrender your self-life, and he wants to give you abundant life. Wouldn't we all like abundant life? I would like abundant life every day. And I think it's a, like a one-time, first of all, reckoning, and then following the reckoning, It's a daily walk. It's a daily walking out of our salvation. And the more we walk in the Christ life, the easier it is. And the more people will see Christ in you. And that is, for me, it's it's sort of fun. Because when I get up in the morning, I often say, Oh, Lord, please don't let people see Linda. Please let them see Jesus in me. And I have people say, I like being next to you. I don't know what's different about you. I said, It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's only Jesus. If you see something special in me, it has nothing to do with me. It has all to do with the Lord Jesus. And I pray that for you. And the abundant life, I told you I live in a happy bubble. Sometimes people say, she's still living in that happy bubble. I don't know that. That is only the Lord Jesus living his life through me. And, and you know what? Does that mean that I never have a sorrowful time? Surely it doesn't. Times can be very hard in life. But I know how to lean on my Lord because I have so much time spent with him. He's invested in me, and I'm certainly invested in him. And we're, we're a team, the Lord and I, my best friend. So, um, anyway, this is the Christ life and the, the self life. What I'd like to do is we pass out those mm-hmm. one for everybody. Kelly. Oh. <coughs> oh, sorry, I should cover that call. Thank you.
critical time was. You'd be very happy with it. We can do it. We can do this. The Lord can do this, as a matter of fact. Not really. Even though it should be all, they just each get one. Oh, maybe that. Yeah, yes, I wrote something on both sides. Why not? That was the first I wanted to read. I'll go read it while you're getting your paperwork. Missionary to China lived many years as a Chinese missionary 
in a, a very defeated life. People that were not coming to the Lord. He dressed like a Chinese gentleman. I mean, he really put himself out there. And he finally understood these truths. That Christ wanted to be his very life. And that he had been crucified with Christ. And he understood that Christ's life... See, when, when we're born again, Christ wants to live through us. He wants to use our feet and our bodies, our hands, our eyes, our mouth, everything. Because we are his workmanship. And so, um, Hudson Taylor, in one of his books, calls it the exchange life. He exchanged his life for the Christ life. And when he did, his, his ministry changed. It revolutionized. We go around the world sharing this. John will be in, in uh, India in May and teaching to a huge group of pastors in India. He goes to Brazil every year. He goes to Bible colleges and shares these truths, how Christ wants to live his life through you. You know, it's sometimes when we think about the Christian life, think, oh, it's all dreary. But it's not. Not if he's doing the living. We just have to get out of the way. You know, even sometimes I sing, I say, man, does the Lord sing good today? Because it wasn't me. It was Jesus. So that's for you to take home. On the other side is the selfless prayer. The selfish prayer is one way that you can kind of prepare yourself for the Christ life. So what I would like to do is read this. I think I'd like us all to read it together. And I want you to be very prayerful as you read this. And don't sign it if you're not ready for it. Sometimes we have people who come to our ministry and we counsel them for a while and they, you know, one man said he put it on his dresser and he kept walking around the dresser, like trying to avoid the sulfur's prayer. And some people have said, I want to do this alone in my room with the Lord. Some people have gone into the Smoky Mountains where we are and had a picnic and took this with them. And they call it having a white, Oswald Chambers calls it a white funeral. A white funeral. Because you realize that you have been crucified, but you're still very much alive because Christ is in you. So in unison, let's read this selfish prayer together, okay? It says, Dear Father, I recognize that I cannot live the Christian life in my own strength or out of my own resources, that I have been a selfer and a total failure in and of myself. Because of my inability to live the Christian life, I now give up on my self-sufficiency and do hereby commit my life unconditionally into your hands and I choose to allow Christ to live his life through me. I give up all my rights and expectations and give you permission to make me into the kind of person you want me to be as I make an absolute surrender to you. I believe your word that I, my old man, have been crucified with Christ. I believe I was buried with Christ and have been raised with him to newness of life and am now seated in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. Father, I choose as an act of my will to claim Christ as my life my power, my identity. 
I thank you that my identification with Christ makes me totally acceptable and that I'm at met by Christ Jesus. I yield myself totally to the indwelling Christ as an act of obedience. Do with me whatever you choose. I am asking you to make your truth a reality in my experience. Glorify and manifest your Son in my life. I am trusting in you to do what I can't do, quit what I can't quit, and most of all, to be what I can't be. I thank you for renewing my mind and healing damaged emotions as you transform my life and live your life through me. I thank you for saving me from sin and from my wicked self and for the victory which is now mine through him. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you're pondering that, I would like to sing a song. And I'm going to sing a song, and I have the words, by the way. And if you know it, and you probably do, please feel free to sing along with me. There. Can you see it? It's Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone, and I do hope I remember to move the button. Mm-hmm. 